Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and today my guest is Nick Peterson from tinywoodstove.com. While awaiting the birth of their daughter, Nick and his partner Shay began to audit their life. With debt and careers that left little time for family or passions, they needed a change. In 2012, they paid off their debt, sold the majority of their stuff, and called an old Airstream trailer home. Nick started tinywoodstove.com in 2014 after struggling to source a small stove for his Airstream. Nick is passionate about the tiny house movement and the freedom it has given him to spend time with his family and pursue his passions. I asked Nick on the show because I've always been fascinated with wood stoves and tiny houses. Many homes in Vermont are heated with wood stoves, and the dry, radiant heat that they produce creates an unmatchable level of coziness. Wood stoves aren't without their challenges, and they present many trade-offs. Even the most efficient tiny wood stoves can only burn for 7 to 8 hours, and then you'll need a backup heat source if you're not home to stoke the fire. Wood stoves can also be dangerous, so I'll ask Nick to describe some common mistakes he's seen in tiny wood stove insulations, tips for living and heating with wood, and more. Nick Peterson, welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Hey, thank you. It's like to be here. So I was just hoping we could start by having you expand on your story a little bit and about your quest for the wood stove. Like what what couldn't you find? What was it that was missing with when you started your search? Sure. Um, so like like the intro said, we we um, we had debt. We were kind of weren't living the life that we ultimately wanted to. We wanted we were waiting for our daughter and, and we're like, you know what, we're spending most of our time, you know, serving other people's kids and we'd really like to spend time as a family. So we sat down and just dreamed like, what would it take for my wife to stay home? You know, what would it take to, to cut expenses? So we buckled down, paid off debt and, you know, living in a van down by the river was kind of a, a way to cut expenses, um, uh, you know, that, that rent payment so that we could live minimally and so my wife could stay home. Um, so, you know, we bought the old Airstream and ultimately we wanted to make it as off-grid as possible. So we wanted to have, you know, solar panels. Uh, we had a composting toilet um, and we wanted, um, yeah, a wood stove so we could just go outside and break some sticks over our knees and, and uh, you know, throw it in the, in the firebox. Um, at the time, there was, um, there was really only, there was the, the Salamander Hobbit out of the out of the UK, and there was um, Navigator out of uh, I think Washington, uh, Port, uh, Seattle area, and, and both of those options were 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 pretty spendy, um, and yeah, there was just there was just limited options. So I, I I took a welding class from a friend and was tinkering with like rocket stoves and like hey could I could I build my own, um, and then. It, I guess fast forward from that, we we kind of set sail and, and started living in the trailer, and then it was it wasn't uh, probably two years later that we actually got a stove. We we bought the Salamander Hobbit um, from the UK, had it imported, and then installed that. And I saw on your site that you know it, you had trouble sourcing the right equipment and tools to install the stove, and the installation was maybe a little bit sketchy. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, we we talked with at that time the 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 salamander had like a local distributor out of Oregon and we were chatting with him you know about like well, you know what kind of what kind of we're putting in our airstream you know what do you recommend and and really the only pipe that you could get to fit um, 
was was pellet pipe. And pellet pipe is like stainless inner wall and then galvanized outer wall. Then there's an air gap. Um, and yeah, that's what we did. We got we got a chunk of pellet pipe and we you know poked it through the the roof and we kind of hacked it together. But um, since then, like pellet pipe is is rated for I think half of what solid fuel is. So um, it's like rated to 600 degrees, where solid fuel is like rated up to 2100 degrees. And it 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 worked for us, and it it it's probably okay. But the event that you had, if you had like a chimney fire, it just would not it would not withstand. Plus, we really when we really stoked up the stove, um, that galvanized layer started to kind of smell a little bit, and galvanized is you know dipped in a chemical zinc coating that you know with heat like you don't weld uh, galvanized, it off gases, and so I, it 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 seemed like it was I don't know if it was like fully off gassing or but you could you could smell kind of a you know a chemically smell when you really stoke the thing, so it just it wasn't ideal. Um, we hacked through it. But yeah, we wanted to, as we started our business, we wanted to offer a better, you know, safer option. So do you manufacture your own stoves now? We have our own stove line. Um, we started our business, actually, the, um, the little uh, brother, I guess, to the, the Hobbit is the Pipsqueak. And um, yeah, we contacted Mark and nobody was, nobody was selling the Pipsqueak. So we, we um, yeah, we started with that. And I guess to rewind a little bit, like, we were looking for a stove for, you know, for our space. And we were also looking to diversify our income. We were living very, you know, frugally and minimally, which was fine, but we wanted to, eventually we wanted to settle down. We wanted to start like a little, um, off-grid permaculture homestead. We wanted to get some acreage and you need money to do that. So we were looking at diversifying our income. And I, I, I did like a little roundup blog post about what we were doing in our Airstream and the, the options that were on the market. And we got a bunch of traffic to it. And, um, so out of that, I was like, oh, there's, you know, there's some interest here. And it was like 80 to 90% of the traffic was to our blog was going to that one post. Um, so I, out of that, I just bought tinywoodstove.com thinking I'd do like a, uh, information kind of a niche site. I didn't necessarily want to, you know, have a warehouse and, and be in manufacturing. And like I was, I was traveling and, and wanted to spend time with my family. So, um, I, my play was to, approach some of the manufacturers to say, Hey, like I, I get lots of traffic, you know, could I, I'm doing information site. Could we do like an affiliate arrangement? And, um, everybody that I contacted kind of looked at me cross. Well, they, I was emailing or calling and they were just like, well, no, we need distributors or we need, you know, we're, we're not interested basically. Um, so fast forward a couple months, like we started getting more traffic and like, Hey, let's, uh, let's try to go at this. So we, the go was selling the pipsqueak. Like we, we did kind of a pre-sale. We just opened it up to our, our platform and just said, Hey, we'll import a pallet of these. So like 25 of these. And, um, this is the, you know, the discounted price in a week we sold a pallet and we were, we were in business. We were in business. I love that. That's awesome. I, I kind of identify with that in the same way that, you know, after I built my tiny house, I kind of started this accidental business because I was kind of on the early end of, of the tiny house builds. And so my website and Facebook presence was one of the only ones out there. And I was getting so many questions just right. every day. You know, why did you choose that hot water heater over over this one? Why did you do spray foam? Why did you do all these things? And at some point, some smart friend of mine was like, hey, you should write a book because a lot of people want to know what you know. Saw the demand out there and decided to just go for it. And now, you know, this is what I do full time as well. Yeah, that's awesome. What are some common mistakes that you see in wood stove installations? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's not a ton of, of small stoves. So, I mean, there, there, there's becoming more, but so, you know, one mistake is like, we're just going to go down to the hardware store and buy a stove that's rated, you know, for 800 to a thousand square feet and slap it in our bus or our tiny house. It's just so way oversized. Um, and if, if you're, if you're putting in, you know, pe- people have made that work. And, um, but if, if you're going to put, you know, way oversized stove, you're likely going to underfire it, which means it's not going to be getting hot enough to burn efficiently. So you're going to be, you know, wasting wood. Um, and if you do, you know, run it properly, you're just going to absolutely roast yourself out of the space. Like our, our Airstream is, <clears throat> it's a 1966, uh, overlander so it's it's 26 feet but that's measured tongue to bumper so interior feet is like 22 so it's like seven seven and some change by 22 feet so it's roughly 176 square feet and the um the hobbit that we put in there i mean if we really stoked it we could in the middle of north idaho winter it could be you know 95 degrees so you you take and that's rated you know up to 500 square feet so you take something that's rated for a thousand um and it's just i mean it's way overkill then you're you know, you have, you have too much weight. Um, it takes a big space premium. Um, and if, if, yeah, often people will fudge on the clearances with something like that, because if you're putting in something that's, you know, two feet by two feet or something like that, uh, you don't really have space to do 18 inch clearance or, you know, what's required. Um, so it might be too close to combustibles and that can be, you know, that can be sketchy. Right. So you have the problem of, of roasting yourself in the house and taking up all that space with a large stove. Yep. I think that the lifestyle element is something that I really try to get people to think about. You know, I, so I live in Vermont and heating with wood is quite popular here, um, mm-hmm. both because, you know, there's abundant wood available and it's rural. So people tend to own some land and they're able to mm-hmm. log the land themselves or, or buy wood locally. But the mm-hmm. reason that I didn't want to go with a wood stove in my tiny house was I basically needed a house that I could leave for hours or even days at a time. And what I realized with a small wood stove is that I wasn't going to get more than five, six, seven hours out of a, a burn and that I would need a backup heat source. Um, so I'm curious, how do you heat your Airstream if you aren't going to be there? Or are you just, is there someone always there? Uh, that's a good question. We actually were, we, we were not in the Airstream presently. We still have it. It's sitting out at the property, but, uh, we, we bought a fifth wheel, have, uh, you know, forced propane furnace in that plus a wood stove. And then this summer we're going to be building a, a tiny house, which, you know, maybe it shouldn't be classified as it's going to be a a big tiny house. Uh, we're going to do 12 by 40 roughly, uh, but it'll still be on a, it'll be like a park model. But we plan to put, you know, a wood stove in it, and then we're we're currently working on a, a gas a gas model, so that we can have something connected to a thermostat, and you know that way when I I mean I I love the chores of of wood heat. Nothing compares to a you know a, a roaring fire and just the aesthetic of it and and um, the warm dry heat, which is awesome for tiny spaces because of you know condensation and moisture. But yeah, having something that is on a thermostat so like long nights or when you're away for a couple hours you don't want your pipes to freeze um yeah that's that's an important consideration and that's that's why we are working on a gas stove because we want one for our house like i i want to have you know a backup um thing plus if you didn't want to you know if you didn't want to mess with 
you know, starting the fire and stoking and, and the chores that come with that, which I personally enjoy, you just have the option to, you know, flip a switch and, and get that kind of same aesthetic and heat on a thermostat. Yeah, I agree completely. I don't mind the chore either. It was more of just a practicality. And the the kind of the bummer is that people who want to be off grid, really their only backup option, because they most likely can't do electric heat as a backup, is that they have to go to propane, which for some people is is something that they wanted to avoid being off grid and, and avoid the fossil fuel element of it. You know, one, um, when, when we were, when we were kind of off grid a winter in North Idaho, like the wood stove was our primary heat source. And then, um, obviously we, you know, we stoked it up at night and then we, uh, we had what we called hotties. Um, and this is pretty ghetto, like it it can get you by, it's not ideal, but we fill up like a a stainless water bottle with boiling water, put it in a wool sock and you toss that, you know, in the foot of your bed and then, you know, have, down sleeping bags or, you know, a nice down comforter. And then you can, you know, just hunker down in your bed <laughs> when the stove dies out. Or, um, and there, there actually is, and we, we considered this, we never pulled the trigger, but they have, um, 12 volt DC, uh, mattress warmers, yep. um, that, that are, are pretty modest load that you could do on a, you know, a, probably a, a medium size, you know, solar setup, um, that, you know, stove goes out and then you're, you're kind of thought out in your bed. That doesn't necessarily help like pipes and stuff. Although if you have a really efficient tiny house that's, you know, well insulated and sealed, then you, it, you know, you may not have issues, but, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, we build our house cause we're completely off grid. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do some testing and, and, um, see how it works. Awesome. I look forward to, to seeing the propane model. I'm curious what other kind of innovations you're you're looking at you know the things that came to my mind were you know could i heat my water with a wood stove could i could i cook on a wood stove what are the options there yeah so um i um i'm a i'm a dreamer and i i'm an idea person <laughs> so I, I have endless ideas and and uh, things that we're actually physically working on now our largest stove has a has a baking oven um and it's a it's kind of a retro fitted option that you can bolt on top and the flue gases are channeled around that. Um, and then that way that the top cooking surface, you know, you can use it as a cooktop. Yeah. So you can, you can bake in it, you can cook on the top and then, um, uh, a water, a water boiler option, you know, to heat water, whether it's radiant floor or domestically. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're also working on a, um, well, and it, I wouldn't say actively working on, but we had a, a guy contact us that's a, that lives on a boat and uh, they have, you know, boats have often have diesel motors and so they have diesel heaters mm-hmm. and, um, he's been tinkering with a, a wood, it's he calls it like a hybrid. So you have a wood slash diesel option. Um, so the diesel, it's like almost like a carburetor that drips into a little cup and then that cup is heated and then it, it vaporizes the gas. And then, so if you're, if you're using wood, you just basically put a little, you know, cover over the cup and then load it up with, with wood, burn it. And then you can switch kind of seamlessly switch to the gas option. So that's cool. So all in one unit having multiple fuel options. Yeah. Biodiesel, you can make it technically sustainably make it so you can stay away from the petroleum. 
Um, but you know, diesel also is readily available and a lot of, you know, school bus setups. And like I said, buses, you know, you already have a tank and you can, you know, tap into that. And, um, so that's, that's probably it as far as, um, future add-ons or innovations, the gas, eventually the hybrid. And then we have our, our cook stove and then, uh, water boiler. Nice. Well, that, that would cover quite a few bases. I'm curious also about fuel source, and every time I give my tiny house utilities presentation at a tiny house conference or an event, somebody asks me about pellet stoves, and mm-hmm. I don't really have a well-researched answer for them. So, you know, can can you burn pellets in a wood stove, and, you know, would you want to? Are there advantages, disadvantages? What, what's the deal with pellets? The um, pellets are, are, it's a very high BTU content. I mean, it's basically sawdust that's just like super compressed. So, um, you know, there's little to no moisture in it, which wood often has moisture, and that can be a, a crux for burning, you know, clean hot fires. Um, so it's it's good for that. And we actually burn, which is like a uh, a giant pellet, and it's a, a, like a compressed log. Up here in Idaho, it's North Idaho Energy Logs, and they're just, I mean, it basically looks like a big pellet. Um, you can burn uh, pellets in a wood stove. I mean, um, the, the benefit of a pellet stove is just that it has an auger and it feeds it. And so you can kind of, you know, some of them are, are hooked up to thermostats or kind of like a, you know, a high-low setting, so it'll drop, you know, couple pellets in every, you know, a couple of minutes and then keep the fire going. And then if it gets, you know, reaches a certain temp, it'll shut off. So that's kind of a benefit of the pellet stoves is it's a little more, um, you know, less hands off. You just take a bag of pellets and you, you know, you pour it in the hopper. The downsides I would say is that it, it requires electricity, um, you know, to run the auger. And then, um, most pellet stoves are pretty, you know, pretty good size, um, you know, with that hopper and stuff. Um, and then you have, you're, you're, you're stuck with only buying pellets. Like, you know, that's going to be your fuel source. It's a little bit less off grid self-sustaining because you're relying on a third party manufacturer to make these pellets. And then you're having to go and buy them somewhere or have them shipped to you rather than potentially being able to collect or, you know, cut down your own trees. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's a super big benefit to a wood stove is that, and especially a small stove, um, you know, you, you'll you use maybe, you know, maybe a, a cord a winter, um, which is, you know, you could, you could scavenge fairly easily, you know, get on Craigslist, look for li- listings, um, or just like I said, just breaking sticks over your knee. I mean, you could spend 10, 15 minutes gathering enough, you know, enough fuel for a couple hours. Um, so, you know, free fuel is a, you know, big benefit. I mean, if you're wanting to be kind of sustainable and off grid, wood stove is really hard to beat. I'm curious, is, is installing a wood stove in a tiny house something that the average person can do themselves? Or is this something that, that we'd need to hire a professional installer for? Yeah, I mean, most most tiny house people are very DIY. I mean, they're building a house from scratch. And um, yeah, it's absolutely doable DIY. Uh, you you want to make sure, I mean, clearances is kind of the the big thing. And that's, I guess you asked before, what are some some sketchy things that maybe DIYers are doing? And, and one of them is just the wrong uh, type of pipe. Um, you know, pe- pellet pipe is is rated for, like I said, the, the temp rating on it is much lower. 
Um, and so the clearances on, on pellet pipe, or I think are like one inch from combustible, uh, and, uh, solid fuel, which is double wall insulated. So it has a, a layer of ceramic insulation in it. And, um, it's, it's two inches from combustibles. And so if you're putting, you know, using pellet pipe and you're putting it one inch from the combustible, it's the wrong pipe. And it's, you know, it's potentially too close to that, you know, your, your, your wall, your your tongue and groove yeah your wall or your framing or and you know it's like i said it it could be fine for you know a while but as as you know heat breaks down that surrounding material you know eventually just gets to a point where it it you know can kind of char and then it just you know the gases they get hot enough and then it just combusts um and so yeah the, the big thing is is the correct pipe and and clearances well, that makes sense. Then that sets up my next question nicely that I had written down. What do you recommend using as a stove surround? Yeah, so um, you can use any you know any non-combustible. So glass glass could work. You could use slate or tile or stone. You know, cement board is kind of a, a popular in our airstream. Like I I scrounged up like a real estate sign, and then I spent an hour and like took a grinder and just ground off all the paint and then just use sheet metal. So, um, and, and so for a surround or a, a heat shield, you know, you want, you don't want to put just metal or, or stone or whatever the non-combustible r- right up against the combustible wall, because those non-combustibles will conduct heat through them and then they'll heat up the area behind it. So really for your, you either want to put insulation or the easiest thing to do is just put a little standoff. So like a little one inch air gap, and then you get kind of like an air wash action that happens. You know, the heat hits that, you know, that sheet metal or whatever the material is. And then you have cool air that kind of thermal siphons behind and cools it down. And those work, you know, super effectively. So it sounds like it's all about the air gap, just preventing those combustible materials from being too close to that heat. Yep. Or or like I said, or, or insulation. So, you know, if you're building like, a, you know, a stone, you know, kind of fireplace looking hearth, then you'll probably want, uh, some of that ceramic insulation, ceramic insulation, then some kind of like cement backer board, and then do all your grout tile rock stuff. Have you ever had trouble sourcing wood while traveling? Um, you know, we kept, we kept those, uh, energy logs kind of in the back of the truck just to, you know, to have on hand. And then, you know, I'd say, Probably 99% of the places I could just go, I could find something. Yeah, I feel like there's always, even at a hardware store, there's like little bundles of, of firewood for, for camping. Yeah, that's definitely not the cheapest option, but there is, there is yeah, there is there is options. And um, we, we had a customer, you know, ask about, they sent a link of a, like a, a, a pellet basket for a traditional size stove. And it's basically a little basket that's kind of sloped and you fill it with pellet chunks like for a pellet stove and light it. And then those pellets kind of, you know, slowly burn. And, and, uh, and, and that could be another option is just to have a little, you know, put a little handful of, of pellets. The pellets are very dense and you could, you know, put a bucket of them, which, which would last quite a while, you know, in a sealed bucket in the back of your rig or, or something like that for traveling. Yeah. That actually seems like a great backup option because it, they're, they're compact and powerful and you can just keep a, keep a bucket of them. What is the most wacky or out there tiny house that you have a stove installed in? Oh man. Yeah, that's that's a good question. 
Well, we've had we've had some tree houses. Those aren't necessarily wacky. Uh, we've had some tiny houses that are very eclectic. The carpenter out. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, um, but he he has like the snail. I mean, just like these crazy roof lines and and curves and windows. And I would say, I mean, as far as wackiest, it would probably be the carpenter owl house. Um, there's been container cabins. We've had, you know, little like a couple hundred year old cabin on a permaculture farm. That was pretty cool. Lots of awesome spaces. I like to ask all of my guests to share three resources. It could be books, movies, even music, just uh, three things that have inspired you on your tiny house journey that you'd like to share with others. Sure. Um, you know, it's been, it's, it was 2011 when we were kind of dreaming and, and doing our, I guess, our research. Um, so I guess I'll share our initial kind of inspiration, which it's probably a bit dated, but probably still valuable nonetheless. Um, uh, Hoffman Ar- Architecture, um, he's a, uh, he was an architectural student and then did kind of an Airstream as a project and super well done. Now he has a firm that does Airstreams, I think, specifically and um, maybe other kind of tiny tiny spaces, but, um, you know, just seeing his, his Airstream just, you know, super well designed and he lived in it for a time as well. Um, that was just like, man, that's just so, you know, it's so sleek and, and, um, yeah. So Hoffman architecture, that was, uh, that was a big inspiration initially. And then, um, yeah, it was the happy Jansons. Uh, it was a family. They, they traveled full time in the, um, a, a diesel pusher bus, but they converted it to biodiesel and, you know, they had kids and they homeschooled and they traveled around and, and, um, just seeing them and their story and and following them was like, Hey, you know, other people are doing this and it kind of allowed us to, um, to dream, I guess, and, and look at other options. Um, and then, you know, it, one crux for us kind of, uh, living our dreams was, was, was debt. And, um, you know, Dave Ramsey, you know, we're, we're big Dave Ramsey fan. I think that's an awesome resource to, you know, to, to get on track with your finances and pay off debt and save and, and, um, yeah, so that'd probably be my, my top three, you know, in the moment as we were, um, you know, trying to figure it out and, and get inspired. And those would probably be my biggest resources. Awesome. Well, Nick Peterson, thanks so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much to Nick Peterson for your time today. You can find the show notes for this episode, including links to Nick's recommended resources at thetinyhouse.net slash Nick. If you're looking for the ultimate guide to planning your tiny house, check out my comprehensive resource, Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is the guide I wish I had when I built my tiny house and comes in three different packages to help you get a jumpstart on your tiny house save hundreds of hours of research and thousands of dollars with tiny house decisions. Learn more at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. We're offering a special discount for podcast listeners. Use the coupon code TINY to take 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code TINY for 20% off. And finally, I need your help. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Your honest reviews help others find the show, 
And if you haven't yet subscribed, please do subscribe to the show in whatever app you prefer for listening to podcasts. It's free and ensures that you'll never miss an episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. That's all, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.